Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Nathan James from Glorious, and you're listening to Jay Scott, The Hook Rocks Podcast. What's happening? What's going on? How's everybody doing? Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. I'm Jay Scott, leading you on another musical journey, as we always do, with through music commentary and great music interviews like we have today. Just want to remind everyone that we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Great family of music podcasts. You can check out Cobras and Fire, great music comedy podcast. Shout out Loudcast with my guys Tom and Zeus, Martin Popoff, the rock historian, Carmen Apice, Vinny Apice on Hanging and Banging, and Mistress Carrie out there in Boston, as well as many others on the platform. You can visit them at PantheonPodcast.com and follow them on Twitter at Pantheon Pods. You can also follow me on Twitter at The Hook Rocks, like us on Facebook. And also subscribe to us wherever you do podcasts. Write us a review if you're so inclined. We always enjoy the feedback and enjoy hearing what you guys have to say about the shows. Check out the latest episodes with Skylab Tapes on the audio dynamics of a modern-day audio system and the differences between vinyl and CD and compression ratios and all that good stuff that we all hear. And maybe you don't know what it means, and Skylab really does break it down. Also, Charlie Starr from Blackberry Smoke appeared earlier this week on a great episode with him on the new album, You Hear Georgia. And George Lynch, our our two-year anniversary show with the legendary guitar player from Dokken, and he breaks down his work with the Native American community and also his social activism, too. So check that out. It's a great, great discussion with him. And we have another one today with a member of a young band that I've been following for quite a while. A lot of my listeners have asked me to get Radke on the show. And we do have a member of Radke, and that is Isaiah Radke. And I'd like to welcome him to the Hook Rocks podcast. What's going on? Hey, what's up? Not too much. I thank you for doing this, man. You, you, I can't even tell you how many of my listeners have messaged me and asked me, when are you going to get Radke on? You got to get someone from Radke. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You're right. I got to get these guys on. So thank you very much for doing this. Oh, yeah. That's amazing to hear. I'm stoked to be doing it. Yeah. Rock and roll. Like, I'm, I'm ready to talk. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we always start the same way every time we have a first-time guest on the podcast, and that is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook, 
that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Well, I mean, our dad had a really sweet music collection ever since we were kids. And, like, I remember our my first rock song was Monkey Ranch by Foo Fighters. Um, we I used to sing that song as a kid, like, that so like rock music was extremely present in our lives ever since and we were homeschooled so there was a lot of time to listen to that kind of stuff and yeah so that was a big time just the music dad had played for us and later on in life the the movie school of rock came out and when he brought that dvd home we watched and dad had a lot of those songs in his record collection and that's when we really got into like finding our own like listening to this stuff from that movie, like Ramones, ACDC, Led Zeppelin, things like that. But then going deeper into the other elements of the music collection that he had, like Elvis Costello, Pixies and Nirvana and stuff. That's a, an interesting dynamic of influence. You know, you mentioned Zeppelin and ACDC, you know, your classic rock, you know, standards and, you know, bands that everyone knows. And then you go into Nirvana, you go into Elvis Costello how long did it take you guys to really find your sound and find the direction that you guys wanted to go? Well, it was it was pretty quick. Like once we had started the band, we were practicing and D and actually had two songs that he had written and had vocals on and stuff like that. So once <clears throat> he played those two songs for us, we were like, Okay, well we could definitely do something with this band now that we have good sounding vocals and we have a couple songs. So after he played those two songs. We kind of went in that direction with our sound. Like the, we kind of know, knew what we could do. And then like lyrically and with everything, we kind of went in the direction of those first two songs that D ended up playing for us in the jam room, which was the green room. You mentioned, you know, the direction and, you know, I asked you about that, you know, as as artists, being that you're still young and still gaining influence, are 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 you still listening to newer stuff? Are you still trying to trying to evolve the band into more than what it is? Yeah, absolutely. Like whether it's you know us going deep into like the Beatles like solo music and going really deep in there and finding crazy things that they were coming up with like after the Beatles, like that's something that kind of hit our heads pretty recently a couple years ago and i don't know why but it's just like we all obviously had always listened to wings and you know some songs but like george harrison and like ringo and their stuff like and more of john lennon going a little deeper in there a lot of good stuff and <clears throat> like we listened to you know I, I lots of new stuff too like i mean i listened to like you know like run the jewels and like you know uh I listen to like Tyler the Creator's new stuff and things like that. Like we we listen. There's we've always just listened to all kinds of different music, and you know, any we're always just down for anything that's got like a nice melody and interesting things going on. As far as creating and writing music, you know, how do you guys pull from each other? You know, who you know does is there one you know dominant songwriter, lyric writer, and you know what about the music? How does that all come into play? Well, it's changed quite a bit, but uh, originally, you know, we, we had D do a lot of the 
melodies and like guitar and I had always handled most of the lyrics. And then as the band went on, I've kind of taken the lyric area and I'll do all the lyrics for the songs and you know, there'll be some input, you know, and we'll, we'll collaborate in some spots, but mostly I'll do the lyrics. And then, you know, later down the line, like Solomon comes up with the song of Solomon, you know, and, uh, the idea for not smart and things like that. So everyone starts writing and coming up with melody ideas as we kind of get the skills to do that. Cause originally D had been playing for like 10 years of guitar and practice before we actually really started the band. So we were able to get a nice blueprint of how to make things work from there. And we, you know, just kept writing and yeah. And I had during the homeschool year spent so much time watching movies. Like I would watch like, four three or four movies like a day and just checking out all kinds of different stuff and that kind of gave me a huge advantage when it came to lyric writing and storytelling and things like that so i had that kind of area and you know then we start writing more songs and you know dark black makeup and all kinds of like new kind of music where we're all collaborating in a lot of the areas a lot more you mentioned the influences in the beginning of the conversation. What was the direction or why did you guys decide to go the more punk rock route instead of like, you know, the ACDC Zeppelin? Was it, was it an organic type of thing or was it, you know, was it natural to just go in there? Was that what you enjoyed playing, what you enjoyed listening to? I would say it was natural. Cause we always liked, we, we, as far as punk, like we listened to like Ramones and, that was like in green day. That was most of the punk we had listened to back in the day. We were, we always were more into bands like, you know, cheap trick and bands that do those big kinds of songs and like the Beatles. So when we started writing music, we wanted to be as entertaining and crazy and have fun. And naturally the punk sound as an early band was kind of what came out the most. And it was when our producer, Ross Orton, mentioned that we slowed a few of our songs down there would be a big song there because a lot of the there's a natural groove to our music and we kind of flatten it out with some of the speed of the songs that we used to do back in the day so we'd always had like the melodies and the groove and swing but as young kids kind of just starting their rock band a lot of it came out real fast and like you know kind of crazy so that's that's kind of where the punk came from originally, but we are always setting out to try to write songs like dark, black makeup and love spills and, you know, band. And we, we really love bands like smashing pumpkins and bands that and like, you know, Foo Fighters who do big, crazy rock songs, that, but also different, softer, crazy things. Like they, the door is open to a lot of possibilities and bands like that. As far as the entertainment side, you mentioned doing things that, you know, crazy on stage and being entertainment being entertaining where did that come from was there a band that influenced you that you saw in concert or saw videos of that you mentioned cheap trick i mean they're they're a very entertaining band live as well where did that influence come from for your stage presence you know like we watched like you know u2 live dvds back as kids and acdc we're actually peppers big concert dvds and you just kind of saw these crazy shows acdc and you just want to emulate that vibe. You're like, okay, so rock is like crazy fun, like these bands, you know? So 
that was something we really wanted to do was have like a even some Beatles sets you can look at are pretty you know pretty energetic so like back in the day so let's we really wanted to capture that like like going to the show is an amazing time kind of thing Speaking of shows and speaking of the song that you mentioned in the beginning, Monkey Wrench by Foo Fighters, you're going to be the opening slot for the Foo Fighters tour, right? Yeah, yeah. That's an amazing full circle kind of thing, too, because like growing up on the music and then starting a band to be a band like them, like a big, heavy, but free rock band to do whatever they want and to be able to tour with them and get their endorsement is is really the dream and the goal like we set out for, you know, so to be on this tour and rocking out and being a part of that bill is so insanely cool. How did you guys get noticed that that you were selected or offered that gig? I mean, that had to be a pretty surreal moment. It was amazing. Uh, we, we talked about it after filming what drives us and we're like, Oh yeah, we got to tour together and do some shows. And we, pretty much talked about that and then later on we're like all right here are the shows let's do it and then uh everything gets rescheduled because things get real bad with the pandemic and and then you know here we are approaching a better spot you know hopefully and the shows are here and we'll get to have a taste of what was gone for so long Foo Fighters has always done a great job of bringing younger bands out on the road with them. You know, it's something that I wish a lot of legacy bands would do because, you know, you're paying it forward because a lot of bands did that for them or did that for other artists when they were starting out. Unfortunately, a lot of promoters get involved now and they pick the opening act because they need to sell tickets or high price tickets and whatnot. But Foo Fighters has really stuck to their guns. I mean, I know the last tour they did, they, they had the struts opening up for them. I know they've had other young bands throughout their history. That's such a cool thing, and it's such an honor for a band like Radkey to get that slot because that is a huge gig. I mean, that's a you know, I mean, Foo Fighters are a band that you know, a cross generational band from young kids to you know older folks too as well who are into the classic rock. So it's a really that's a really cool thing for you guys. It's amazing. It really is. Like, yeah, we the huge bands that we're big fans of toward open for food fighters rise again Arctic monkeys you know you name it the huge awesome rock bands and that's what's great is you know you watch <clears throat> food fighters interviews and i have since we we're kids and they're always talking about you know how rock music and how they're still rocking and i love that they're contributing to keeping rock alive by you know keeping their ear out and bringing out new rock bands on tour with them and helping spread rock and keep rock alive in those ways. Cause they even mentioned, you know, in the movie, you know, there's not a lot of new rock bands that get to play huge shows. And it's great that Foo Fighters contribute to changing that and making it a thing again, you know, big rock bands rocking out big, huge shows. You guys released an album last year called Green Room, and it was during the pandemic, and things were really slowed down. Things were non-existent in terms of live shows. How was that for you guys? I mean, you guys, you know, it's a great album. It's got great material on it, but you pretty much had to sit on it. You know, I mean, what was the decision behind releasing it then as as to oppose of just kind of sitting on it and waiting for it to release during a better, you know, better circumstances? Well, we pretty much, like, we 
shows were canceled, so we had time to write the rest of the record. We were like, okay, we actually get to finish our new album. So we ended up writing it, the rest of it, um, during the lock, the lockdown, pandemic, all that stuff. And once once we were able to get into a studio, we recorded it all, and we were just like, okay, let's do this. Because one, like, if there are going to be a lot of artists holding on to music, like, let's get ours out there just because we want to get some new music out to people and just a little something, you know, a little something new. And also when we originally were signed to Sony before we got dropped, we retoured on our first album. We just named it, renamed it delicious rock noise and added a couple tracks. And that was like, you know, doing a bunch of old stuff later. And it's just not the best feeling. Like you want to get those songs out, play them, you know, we'll get to, we'll only ever play like four or five of them live anyways with the other songs. So now with that all done and everyone gets that, we can get to work on the new record and, and it, it'll all be fresh and in the moment and not something we can look at and be like, oh, I don't know if this is very now, you know? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because there's a lot of bands releasing music this year. It's like every week, two or three albums come out and, you know, it's it's hard to stay noticed because, you know, people's attention spans are so different now where they're on to the next thing the week after and you really got to make your mark because everyone is releasing music, but also great music too. Like every album is top notch. So, you know, you're either, you know, I remember talking to Tyler Bryant last year about releasing their album back in October. And I, I think the sense was they wanted to get ahead of things You know, I've talked to bands now who are kind of waiting for the first quarter of 2022 to kind of, you know, make their mark, you know, and kind of stand alone and kind of, you know, not have, I don't want to say the word competition because I don't think it's competition, but I just think it's that, that, that cause of, of getting lost in so many, so much music being released. Is that how you guys kind of Mm -hmm. see it too? Yeah. Like, you know, like we always try to plan our releases to not be like, you know, like Paul McCartney is going to, those types of people are going to be putting stuff out, you know, like, so it's definitely, it was definitely nice to be able to put our music out at a time that where people can, cause we we're more about the music anyways too. So like to have people to put it out in a time where the album pretty much has to stand on its own musically or be forgotten was an interesting challenge. And we were excited to do that because, you know, a lot of bands and a lot of new music sometimes heavily relies on a big production and like a tour and how popular they are and how much people just want to be in the same room or area as them. And, uh, some of that stuff can't quite hold up if there's a pandemic and you can't go do anything. So we're, it was kind of cool for it to stand on its own, musically especially since we produced it ourselves for the first time and what was that experience like i mean going into a studio and recording the music writing the music and then producing it it was amazing because it it was the exact time it was really time for it because we had worked with producers enough times because each time we'd worked with a producer we always felt there was more to learn like let's do the next experience learn more and after we did it a few times, we are like, okay, I feel like one more session would be the one that we'll really know how to produce pretty well. And after that session, 
which I believe was the No Strange Cat session, um, we were like, all right, I think we know how to produce a record now. So let's do it. We know how to make, we know how to do all the production things to make it sound huge. Because sometimes, like when you're a new band, you get the producer because he knows how exactly how to layer those vocals, exactly how to layer those guitars to make your record sound legit and huge uh, in in the background and harmonies. Now, once you've done that three times, you know how to do it yourself and you know the things you like and don't like and you've worked with multiple producers so you can just do your thing and you're not scared that you're missing anything because that's the big thing with working with one is that like you don't want to leave something like that to yourself sometimes especially if you're just going to be ignorant about stuff. Like there could be something that you've done that you just, or that you didn't do that's like totally everyone does that. Like, you know, and if you knew about it, you would want it on every record, you know, things like that. When you're planning a new record and, you know, you have to satisfy your needs as an artist too, right? I mean, you've got to, you know, keep things fresh. You got to want to do things different. You got to keep evolving. How do you, maintain that sense of evolution as artists as a band going into each you know each album because not every band is acdc not every band can release the same Mm -hmm. album over and over again so how do you guys capture that that's a real tough one and that's a good question because we always think really hard about our records like for instance two-face we had that song back in the no strange cats days but we're like we can't do that song after delicious rock noise we just can't it's going to be like so repeating even though it's like our thing that sound and vibe next record just can't have any of that on there you know what i mean so that's stuff that we think about hard you know is this album like for instance green room doesn't really have a hard crazy burning song like glore and we usually add one of those to a record or spiders but this time we're like okay let's see how hard we can rock this without like the obvious crazy punk burner song. And yeah, like, and then you don't want to go too far. So like for instance, no strange cats, like little bit of piano, you know, little bit of rhythm guitar, not going too far, too fast. Like there's a huge, you know, push pull thing. Like there's a huge, there's waves and all that. Like you have to really, keep an eye on your stuff. Cause you're like, you know, this is rad key. You don't want to make music. as like, this is a totally different band, even though it's the kind of music you like, or maybe new music you're starting to get into. You don't want to let maybe something you're listening to a lot now for like a couple months, seep way too far into your music when it's something you might stop listening to later. You got to let, be careful with influencing you too much, like figure out why you're liking some things, you know, Figure out what's going to seep into Radkey, basically. Don't lose sight of what your band is. Because, you know, think of yourself as a fan, and that's a big thing. Like, think of what you would want your your favorite band to do, and you want them to change it up, but you don't want them to, like, ruin the band, and it's something totally different and weird and terrible. So there's a lot to think about, but being a music fan helps navigate that because all you have to do is think about what you would want your favorite band to do. And in a lot of cases, you're a fan of a band that's made decisions that you really don't like. So you'll know not to do those things or at least remember in the situation or realize that that's the situation that you're in. What was it like for you guys recording an album, writing an album during a pandemic? 
It was something. It was something. We usually don't have that much time. Usually everything we do is a crunch, you know, so it was crazy having that kind of time. And also, like, while while there was time, we did have to finish pre-production and everything. I think we had like eight days to finish the last half of the record. So we had a lot of time to write songs before, but like once it came time to like in studio, like we had our ideas, but there was a lot of pre-production and lyric writing and solos and arrangements to do. And with eight days, you don't want to rush it. You don't want to, you want to have time to figure things out. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So that was a big challenge for us. When you're, writing music and and there are things happening in the outside world right you making music becomes kind of like a bubble it's a, it's a place where you can go escape and tune out the negativity tune out what's going on all the craziness but in some aspects it's you still bring that with you inside that bubble right because you're you're observing all these things and you're living during these times did you find that the tone of the songs and the tone of the lyrics or the tone of the music was different because of that? Mm, I would say it, it had to have been. And the way I think of it is that that would all come from the home pre-production and it all being a more inside um, intimate thing between just the band. And I think all of those things happen has to have like subliminally influenced the sound in some kind of way. And there's no way that I could really guarantee like be like put my finger on, but like, I mean, it produced something, you know, it produced this record like this time. So there's that stuff in there. Definitely. Yeah. Cause I, I, I enjoy everyone's answers to that question because everyone dealt with it differently. You know, people mm-hmm. were, you know, adamant about not turning on the TV. They didn't want to be affected by it. They didn't want to have any impact on their music. And then some people look at it as a diary of what was happening, you know, kind of like a, a stamp of on time as to what was happening in the outside world while you were making this record and what that record will mean in the future as you look back on your career. Totally, totally. Is did you guys keep creating once you finished this album? Was there still you know more music from Radke that you're able to maybe put out while you're on a tour or you know have a quicker turnaround once that you guys get going? Yeah, we started work, new record. We're always working on new songs, and you know I think I would say we've got about a half half an album's worth of new material ideas, and we're going to be practicing and coming up with more stuff and recording and doing all that band stuff soon. So yeah, we're going to be right back in there because I think we'll need to do another record while all this crazy rock stuff's going on for us. Like let that influence another big rock record from us. As far as the state of rock music, you know, you've mentioned some of the influences. You're obviously a, a music fan Rock and roll, rock music has really taken a back seat over the last decade or so, right? And it's been mm-hmm. hard for it to have some sort of relevance to it. And, you know, people make the comments that rock is dead from time to time, and we all know it's not. But 
it is different in terms mm-hmm. of that connection with that, you know, with the youth, which is vital to the survival of any genre. Be- being that you started out very young and, you know, you're able to grow into the music that you're making and still be music fans, where do you see rock music going? I mean, I, I think we're on the cusp of a resurgence right now. And, you know, I think we music, are too, yeah. Yeah, and all the music and all these great new bands coming out, but... Where do you guys see the landscape for rock music right now? Well, things are changing in a way that I've not seen in a long time. And I've been imagining this happening for a long time, too. Like, you know, rock always kind of comes back, uh, especially when things start sounding disco-y. And I'm not saying like that as an insult. I'm just saying like when thing, the disco thing happens and like things are electronic and there's a lot of that there's going to come a time where it gets more organic. It always happens. Like, so I think, you know, not that that's this exact moment, but it's, things are slowly changing, right? Like, so we've got people changing their genres to rock, uh, Willow Smith, like machine gun Kelly, both genre switch, uh, Miley Cyrus switched to rock. Like that's an interesting thing that's happening. It's like, and everyone's having a big fun time at their shows. So that proves that like rock can be fun. Like that's, that's the, that's the message we've always been trying to prove is that you can, anyone can have a really big fun time at a rock show. If the songs are legit and have the right melody, you know, if there's a sweet melody in a song. You can dance to all that stuff. Like, and we've always tried to create a sweet vibe that lets you know that like rock isn't just this, it's not just ACDC, Iron Maiden, Metallica. And that's what a lot of people sometimes think, you know, like you have, you've got bands like Foo Fighters and Smashing Pumpkins who have always released like a sweet, soft, like pop single kind of thing that kills it and is a big hit. And is not just this straightforward rock thing, but is also not changing their band or genre, you know, like, um, learn to fly like Everlong, uh, today 1979 but um yeah like there's there, a lot to be a lot of fun to be had in rock music and i think that things are changing because you've got all of this genre like all of this like this is rock you know like so and i'm not one of those guys who's gonna be like you know uh this is fake this is crap like if it's fun and there are guitars it's rock man like i don't know like let's 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 all bring it back and show everyone that it's a fun time it is a fun time. I mean, there's nothing like going to a rock show. And I think more young people are experiencing it now or being open to it, where as before, they had other genres of music that were, you know, capturing their their time. And I think now with the pandemic and, you know, the angst and anger that the youth are feeling right now after being, you know, stuck in their homes for the last year and not being able to be around their friends, I think that leads to, a, a more of appreciation for rock music because it kind of speaks to that anger and angst that young people are feeling. As far as Radkey goes, you know, with with a, a needed social media presence for all bands to have, what do you guys do to stay in front of your fans and connect with younger fans um, that are getting into rock music? Well, we just try to show this little window into our lives, you know, and just show like. We're like a rock band that was homeschooled. We're just a bunch of nerds, video game, anime fans. Like, 
we're as nerdy as the nerdiest person you probably know, if not more so. So like we're just, you know, showing that you can be whatever you want. And like, you know, if you see that like a rock band's writing songs about anime and like things that you're into, you might be like, Oh, Hey, maybe rock. I, I didn't know it could even, you could even do that. You know, like even like, you know, Led Zeppelin's writing songs about Lord of the Rings, you know? So we, we, we've got a lot of doorways into our music through things like nerdy things. And, and, you know, that's just our lifestyle, like just being into all that stuff. So yeah, I don't know if that helps make people feel more, connected to us but that's something we try to keep out there that we're not just like you know you're not your you're like average rocker dudes though i mean you can make the argument that like most of us are like nerds at this point like even kirk hammett like he's got like a comic book like store in his house he's got like horror like artifacts too like like collectibles Mm -hmm. like from like movie sets and all this stuff yeah like he really gets into it yep 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 so it's like that's it's not I'm not saying any uh, groundbreaking stuff, you know, like like a lot of nerds out there, man. <laughs> We're out there. When you are, you know, developing music and, and you are, you know, you mentioned about some of the things that, you know, maybe you guys write about and sing about when you're connecting to that and you're trying to connect with people. You know, how do you guys write? Do you guys write about personal experiences? Do you write about observations? Where do you find your muse? It's it's in a lot of places. Like back in the day, back when we were writing like the um, the early EPs and stuff like that, it was a lot of fantasy, a lot. But but when the album came out, it, Delicious Rock Noise, we were we that was when we dipped into a lot more personal experience and a lot of weirder stuff. And so that was that. Like because we were homeschooled, obviously, so we didn't have the most life experience. So once we were able to get out there with those EPs and singles, that was when we were able to start with a little bit more reality so back in the day a lot of stuff was based on just a lot of fantasy a lot of stories like writing a movie and a song stuff like that and later on we were able to figure out how to let people in a little bit more with songs like bend and parade it and things like that hunger pain you mentioned being homeschooled and then you know being in a rock band and going out and playing shows what was that like what was that kind of like that transition because you mentioned that you know you maybe not have had the same life as other kids may have had because you were homeschooled and now you're out playing shows and rocking out with people. How was that like bridge to that world? I mean, how did you guys, how did, how were you able to kind of land there? It was crazy. Like it all just started from a fishbone dropping off a, a, a band dropping off of a fishbone gig. Um, and us filling in, and that was the opening into the world. And then we had awesome people like our buddy, Steve Tulipana, who owned the record bar in Kansas city, who let us play a show, then booked us again that night for another show. And like, we just, you know, and being homeschooled, we're always together with, you know, with our parents and stuff. So moving that on the road made things even easier. So it was just a really great adventure and things just went step by step, show for show, getting out of town as much as we can until you finally get to South by Southwest and you get to England and then you get to Japan and then you're, you know, you're signed and you got records and all that kind of stuff. As far as, you know, being homeschooled and, and being able to play music, I imagine because you're brothers and you had, 
you know, time to practice and, and, and that connection between each other and, and being, you know, growing up in the same house under the same roof, that had to be an advantage for you guys too, because a lot of bands try to capture that synergy and spend a long time trying to find it. Whereas I think, you know, yep. and correct me if I'm wrong, it, it was probably much easier for you guys to find it, being that you're siblings, being that you are all listening to similar music. Yeah, it was extremely easy. That's why the songwriting process is easy because we're all into the same stuff. And, you know, it, it's uh, it's super, super easy. We've always created things together from uh, making like Lego buildings as kids to making songs that we've always collaborated and been on teams and video games. And yeah, it's just a team effort that we're used to making. And it's, it's a really nice breeze. The homeschooling was great because we didn't have that, you know, separate friends, a couple years apart, grades, all that kind of thing that would make us hard, make it harder to collaborate in some ways. Cause hey, we're not like we're all exactly the same. We all bring our different things to the table and that's awesome, but it's all coming from similar influences. Is there ever a moment where you guys, you know, maybe one of you are, are is listening to something different or doesn't agree to the, the, you know, in the direction of the song, how do you guys overcome that stuff? It doesn't really happen very much really. Like, we like I said when we are doing like new influences and things like uh, only little bits of it will ever make it in, and it's never too much. Like I'll listen to some pretty out there stuff, and same with D, and you know some of that gets in there, but a lot of times like we that's how we kind of get our sound is by also remembering it's like the Radke like rock sound. So like for instance in Two Face we've got some like overdub stuff, like just saying things in the behind verses and things like that. And that's like, you know, that's something a lot of songs do, but like in a lot of like cool hip hop songs I've been listening to these days, like throw a little bit of that in there. And like the way, like the verses said, like the flow of it, like I learned from listening to a bunch of hip hop these last few years, like you throw in a tiny, tiny drip and it's not really, enough of anything for everyone to be like, Hey, wait, this is like some fusion shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I just, it's, it's interesting because you guys are all siblings. You guys, you know, have similar tastes. Do you guys have different things too? Like, do you have different tastes in music? Like, you know, maybe one guy likes kiss and the other guy doesn't or, or vice versa. Yeah. Like I, you know, for like, I've always been like the Van Halen, Iron Maiden guy, you know, and back in the day, he was like the Pixies, you know, uh, deep cut Nirvana fan, you know, and, and installed like presidents of the United States and like Beatles and, uh, Weezer. You know, we all like Weezer, but like, you know, we always like, as far as in dad's record collection, we were always in pretty different spots. We always liked all the music we were hearing from everybody, but like we all had our spots, like, you know, the like dark black makeup is the exact type of song that I've always loved as a kid. So like, that's the kind of song you're going to get out of me is like that kind of cheesy in your face, Iron Maiden, uh, Van Halen type, crazy kind of bright thing. And, and then, you know, D's going to have the crazier Nirvana, weirder kind of stuff. And then when all of that's combined, it's just so much fun to hear. 
Yeah, the Van Halen uh, Iron Maiden place is a great, great place to be. You know, so exactly. It was a great childhood. <laughs> yes, yes. Especially with like the the artwork on the Iron Maiden albums. I mean, you can get lost in that mm-hmm. for hours. You know, I was such a nerd over that stuff. Like I can't like such a nerd over the Eddie stuff. Crazy. I still remember being I a young kid, probably like I was younger than 10 years old and I was at a neighbor's house and they had an older son that was, you know, quite, you know, I think he was probably 17 at the time. And he, in his room, he had this giant number of the beast poster that was like a black light. And, <laughs> and me and my friend who was, you know, his younger brother, it was my age. We would turn the lights off and we would just sit and look at it. Like for hours, just like, just look at it and just be amazed by like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. This is awesome. It's so amazing, man. That kind of stuff is priceless. So what's in the future? Green Room came out last year. You guys are on tour with the Foo Fighters this year. When can we expect new music? Is it a little ways off? What are your plans? I would expect that... New music, we'll start, we'll start hearing some of that probably in the fall, something like that. You know, we love dropping singles, and um, when it comes to our songwriting process, the fans are a huge part of it. So when we drop a single, we definitely, like, keep track of what's going on with it. Our fans loving this song, like, that influences their direction. We'll go in arrangements, you know, like, it just really, you know, if we're playing a song live, like, how is everyone reacting to this? Like it's for us, for the fans. And yeah. So when a single comes out, that's kind of testing the waters. Like I remember we threw bend out a long time ago and you know, we just see what's going on. And if like someone was like, if everyone was like really not into it, you know, you just do some of the ideas a little in the other direction, unless you feel very strongly about it. Your opinions obviously, you know, takes it wins, but you know, yeah. So that's, I would say fall. You know, because we got a bunch of songs in the works, and we're going to start testing the water soon. Awesome. Well, Isaiah, this has been a blast. Thank you very much for doing this. Yeah, yeah. No problem. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you enjoyed your time here on The Hook Rocks. I did. Awesome. Everybody, that's Isaiah Radke from the band Radke. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong. And we will certainly talk again soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.